Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night share with me weekly. Little Nishmas Ephraim, Rabbi Am Teflipa, Yaakov Meshe Ben Shmuel Ben Meshe. Yeah, it makes sense. Shmuel Yaakov. Shmuel Yaakov Ben Meshe. And Yvette Bas Ephraim Abraham Ibrahim Akoyim. Jeanette, I'm sorry. Totally senior moments tonight. Pashbuch Khoisai. Interesting, that's the week to not be sharp. Khoisai meaning engraving. Week not to be sharp. Chazak. Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazak. And then, of course, the most important part of the Shabbos, Shabbos Mevorchim HaChodesh, Chodesh Sivan. We are benching the month of Sivan. Also, hopefully we're going to discuss a little bit of Mesech Seita and Pirkei Aves this week we Perik Hey Chamishi. To open with a little story Oh. One second. Okay, I need the story, and it's downstairs. Okay. You want to call down to my daughter, tell her she was asked to bring up a piece of paper before? Sorry? It's on the printer, tell her to bring it up, please. Okay. Ah, hello, Atlanta. Welcome. Hey, there's like Boehme caused catastrophes here. What happened here? Sarifka. Paper from the printer. She's supposed to bring up before. Um, <clears throat> Stories told. Of a man can have it committed <laughs> properly to memory, so we'll come back to the actual story. Pash B'chukhesai is one of the parashiyas that has the Teichacha B'chukhesai and Kisavai I thought you were going to get it B'chukhesai and Kisavai Translate this to Teichacha Interesting, it's never called the Klolis. No reference made to it as Klolis, although they are, in essence, the curses. <coughs> it's referred to the Teichacha. Pasha begins in Buchukhesa if you're going to do what you need to do, because Baruch Hu guarantees all the wonderful things. If Chas V'Shalom says the Parsha, you will veer off the right path. If Chas V'Shalom, you will not do what needs to be done. And then there's a slew of horrible, horrible things that the Torah mentions. (coughs) Horrible. (coughs) So then the question, of course, becomes... Every shul, people vie for an aliyah. They want to be called up to the Torah. First two aliyahs belong to the Kayan and the Levi. Kayan and Levi. So that is not much fighting. Either a Kayan or a Levi that has to get it. There are fights amongst the Kahanim and the Levi, and perhaps um, we know that the Kahanim are very zealous people. They want to do what they want. They want to get their honors. They don't like to be mevata on their honors. We know that it from a mission, actually. And the Mishnah in Yuma tells us that the Kehanim used to all want to go up onto the Mizbeach. They wanted to take off the ashes. 
not a great honor here, in, to my knowledge. Although today sanitation majors make a very nice living, apparently, and they have a good pension and everything else, but who the heck, who wants such a job? Picking up somebody else's rubbish, and especially in weather sometimes that they have to brave rain, hail, sleet, snow, heat, they got to go down and do, that, do that, that job, lifting the heavy bags, throwing them into the garbage, etc., Cleaning off the Mizbeach was one such job. But it wasn't just such a job. It was a job like any other job in the Mishamikdash. And the Kahanim would fight over it. And there was a ramp that went up to the Mizbeach. And the Mishnah tells us, And I believe we spoke about it once in the three weeks when we discussed this um, Midas actually the Kahanim were running up to get to the top and there's only X amount of space on a ramp and one pushed another one and he broke his leg he fell off the ramp then on it was established that Kahanim could only go up onto the Mizbeach via a lottery had a lottery. And each person stuck out a finger, a pious it was called. Each person stuck out one finger, two finger, whatever it was. And they counted X amount. When they came to that person, the last person, the last number, that's who the person was chosen to go up onto the Mizbeach. Chosen. Everybody is chosen. Everybody has a mission they're chosen for. Everybody has a job that they're given in this world, a tough kid. And this is why they're here in this world. It could be to do a favor for just one Jew. It could be just to make a person's life easier. Just to make someone happy. It could be to give over a message to somebody. We look not so far away. A mere 70 years ago, in Nazi Germany, did she bring it up before, Jessica? She didn't bring it up? Okay, I thought I printed it. Anyway, of different shamas that were returned, some at younger ages, some at older ages, with no understanding as to why they were here at such a short time in this world. I'll try to see if I remember this, this actual short story. The person that met Malach Gabriel, the angel Gabriel. He met Malach Gabriel, and Malach Gabriel showed him his life. He had passed away, he was showing him his life. And he shows him all the footsteps, all the places he walked to. And he asks Malach Gavriel, tell me, I only had two feet. Why do I see four feet? And the Malach told him, because you didn't go anywhere without HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu accompanied you, God com- accompanied you everywhere you went, and therefore, just like your two feet were there, God's two feet were there except for the severely hard times. When you had very hard times in your life, that's these paths over here. He says, what? There's only two footsteps here. That means I was alone through all these hard times? 
And the Malach turned to him and said, No, my fool. Those footsteps were HaKadosh Baruch Hu's. Those footsteps were God Almighty's footsteps. He took you on His shoulders through those hard times. He carried you through those moments. We have many such moments in life. Many times we ask. Many times we scratch our head and we think, why? Why do I not have? Why am I not given? Why are things so difficult for me? We know I've told this story a zillion times probably of the rabbi that had a solution for his entire town. I have a solution to everybody's problems, he says. Everybody come tonight to the shul and I will solve everybody's problems. I'll alleviate everybody's problems. Nobody, man, woman, or child, missed this meeting. Everybody was there. And the rabbi told everybody, take a pen and paper and write down your hardest, severest problem and then give it to me. And everybody wrote down their worst problem and they gave it to the rabbi and the rabbi said, please wait. And he walked out into the hallway. Nobody signed their names. Nobody knew who it was that wrote what. And he pinned each problem on the wall. Then he told everybody, Okay, Rabbi Isai, go out into the hallway, read the problems on the wall, and find a new one. Leave yours and take a different one. And your problem will be, will no longer be yours. Everybody rushed out to the hall. And they began to shove and push and read one problem after another, after a third. Rabbi Say, everybody took home their own problem. Nobody wanted somebody else's. They said, this is my problem, but oy vey what the rest of the problems look like. How? How does one cope with all these problems? How does one get courage to overcome inner feelings of suicide? How does one master the issues that go on in his life? The pain that one feels, whether for themselves or for someone else. And you see literally that some people walk with the pain on their, heart, on their hearts. And I've told this story also probably a million times. After the Rebbe suffered a heart attack and was well already, the doctors were constantly coming to check up on the Rebbe. And during one such visit, the doctor had to wait. The Rebbe was busy. The Rebbe was busy, the Rebbe was busy. Finally, the doctor told the Gabbai, I can't anymore, I need to get back to my practice. And the Gabbai told the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said, okay, let him come in. And the Rebbe was sitting there, and he was holding a palm. Didn't get printed? It didn't get... He was holding a palm. He was holding a letter from somebody who was crying out to the Rebbe with his problems. The Rebbe held the pan, was holding his glasses, reading his glasses. And the doctor came over and put the cuff on the Rebbe's arm. 
and started to pump. And as he pumped, he got higher and higher. The doctor saw that it wasn't, it was going beyond. The doctor let out a grasp, a gasp. He said. The Rebbe looked at him and realized what was going on. And the Rebbe took off his, to put down the letter, took off his glasses and put him down on his desk and told the doctor, now take it. And the doctor took it again and it was normal. So the Rebbe saw the perplexed look on the doctor's face. And the Rebbe told him, Azik halt the tzoros finayidin in hand. I am holding the tzoros of a Jew in my hand. You expect my blood pressure to be normal? <coughs> this was how even the Rebbe dealt with the anguish, the pain, the hurt of a fellow Jew. And mind you, it was relentless. The amount of mail, the amount of letters, the amount of tzadahs that were poured on the Rebbe. But the Rebbe found it in his heart, found it in his capacity to always see to it, to read it, to absorb it, and to physically do away with it. But ultimately, yes, it took a toll. Yes, it hurt the Rebbe. But the Rebbe understood that this was the Tzadis of another Yid and therefore he needed to take care of it. He needed to help them. How did the Rebbe how was the Rebbe how is the Rebbe able to deal with all these questions to deal with all these heartaches to deal with all these problems This is something that only a Rebbe could do. Today's day and age, for the normal person to listen and to feel and to live with the troubles of a fellow Jew is a very difficult task. But For this you were created, the Kach Nitzarta. For this you were brought into this world. And therefore a person accepts this with love. Not everybody does it. Not everybody's cut out for it. There are people that are too sensitive, too emotional, and can be made physically sick from it. There are those that look and they find either in Torah, in Tefillah, in Tehillim, whatever it might be, they find a solution. They find a Tefillah, they find a prayer, and they hope with bitter tears sometimes that the problem that they're crying for is alleviated, is eradicated. And that the sufferer should no longer suffer. Sometimes the connection is a menial connection with the person that's suffering. And sometimes it's a strong, strong bond. Where the souls are intertwined. The person finds 
that place to be so they can overcome and hope to bring the other person into that better place as well. And the parasha begins in If you will go with my chukim and you will keep my mitzvahs Rashi asks, what does this Pesach mean? If you'll follow my chukim, my statutes. Some, the normal person says, if you keep my mitzvahs. But then in that case, it says right after this, and so I said to Shmedo, you'll keep my mitzvahs. So then what does Bukhukai Saitelechu mean? And Ashi concludes this refers to the study of Tera. Sarabai say, when we sit and we have our Kviyas Itim Latera, our set time, the once a week we have a Wednesday night shear, or those that have every night a different shear, or have two or three shearim a day. This is what Nagadish Baruch was referring to. To toil, to work hard in our study of Torah. And Rashi is implying that by following this, it not only requires the studying of Torah, but Amelim to work hard, to toil with the Torah. Where does he say this from? Where does he support this? An unusual reference to Torah study. Bichu My statutes. Usually the Torah uses the word chok. Eila hachukim. A chok is a mitzvah, a statute we don't understand. Mitzvah has no logical explanation. Incoming. Getting to it. Chukim are generally mitzvahs that are, we don't understand. And they're different than Mishpatim and Edis. So why then? Whoops. Sorry. How do I stop it? Stop it. Okay. Ooh. Lively today. Oh boy. Okay. Sorry, folks. Why then chukim? Mitzvahs that don't have a logical explanation. Obviously, if I do any chukim, not understanding why I'm doing it, not understanding what it's all about, I'm toiling. It's toilsome. And it gets toilsome at an emotional level. person literally has to get sacrifice, great sacrifice, to be able to do a mitzvah they don't have any logical explanation for. People are eating different foods, accepted across the board by so many different walks of life. From Jews... That eat certain things. And then you have those that would never go near those things. This is Amelim. This is what the Tater refers to when it says Chukim. It defies rationality. And therefore the term Chuk 
is synonymous with challenge and difficulty. So when you're talking about study of Torah with chukim, with chukah, you're automatically talking about toiling with it, not just studying it, not just learning it regular. So therefore Rashi understands the term chok as a reference to Torah study in a challenging way, in a harsh way. The devoted studying of Torah, even when you don't derive satisfaction. You learn sometimes a piece of Torah and you say, wow, that was beautiful. I understood that so well. Tells us the Torah, you go in a way of Torah, even when it's not something that you're deriving pleasure from, per se. To be a melim batayda. To work hard in the Teda. <coughs> there be a reward. You do what you need to do and there's reward waiting for you. What rewards are waiting for you? Beitz asod yitn piryei rasati gishmechem bi'itom Beautiful. The fields, the trees in the fields will give you fruit. The rain will come be itam in its time. Also Bechukesai references engraved. That the Torah should be engraved within the person. And therefore in Parash Bechukesai God declares that if the Jewish people observe everything and they follow everything Bechukim with engraved study of Torah within them, they'll be blessed with prosperity, peace, and security. And they'll multiply and flourish. Amongst the brachas that are detailed in the Torah, not only the land of Israel will have rain, but the rains will also fall in their time. Not only there'll be rain, It'll fall in a time, the East Home, in their time. Now, those of you who live in New York who went through last night thunderstorms and tornadoes, didn't know if today was the right time. But, Rashi explains this bracha, rain should not be in the wrong time. Rain falls when people are usually not going out. That's usually Friday night. This is called Gishme Bracha. It doesn't inconvenience or disturb anybody. Except for the people that like to go to Shom Zachers. The Bracha of the rain, in a broader sense, is material bounty. Geshem it comes from the word gash, Gashmias. Gashmias, physical world, material. So the bracha of rain falling in its time applies to the general bracha of material prosperity. If we follow the chukim and we do the mitzvahs the way we're supposed to, not only will God bless us with material wealth, in a manner that will not distract us from our primary pursuits, the Torah study, and divine worship, but it will even give strength to that as well. <coughs> then we have a, a little bit of a hard way to understand something here. Ve'etz hasoda yitein piryoi the trees of the field will give fruits. Anybody deals with any kind of fields, any kind of plantings, in the fields you grow wheat, stalks, whatever it might be. Fruit trees don't grow in fields, they grow in orchards. Orange orchards, grapefruit orchards, they're orchards, they're not fields. So what does it mean, fruits in the field? They're not supposed to grow fruit. According to the Medish, this haftocha, this promise, 
that the tree of the field will give forth its fruit, the Medrash says, refers to the time of Mashiach. Where then, not, not fruit-bearing trees will also grow fruit. There's a little problem with this. The Rambam says, do not presume that in Yemais HaMashiach, in the days of Mashiach, any aspect of the natural order will be nullified. Or that there will be innovations in the work of creation. God created the world the way He created it, and that's how it will remain. According to its pattern. In that case, how can the Rambam, according to this, how can the Rambam reconcile this position of this medrash that says non-fruit-bearing trees will bear fruit in the time of Mashiach? It's going against nature. <coughs> the way God created the world, the natural way, that's how the world will be running according to the Rambam when Mashiach comes. A similar issue with Rambam's stance one of the most basic principles of Jewish faith is resurrection of the dead this is definitely a breach of nature especially since people that are di- dead for thousands of years and all that's left of them is the lose the one bone for them to all of a sudden be resurrected and to come back to life that's not how God created the world at all so therefore we have to really let the Ramam understand that there is some kind of change of order the natural order in the world once Mashiach comes the Rambam himself maintains, however, that these supernatural changes are not definitive components of, of Geula, of the redemption whose purpose is for the Jewish people to be able to serve God without hindrance or challenge, and to observe all the Torah laws in its entirety. So the Rambam, therefore, has a regard as these definitive components with Mashiach-led redemption, the restoration of the Jewish kingdom, the end to war and hunger, the removal of any other disturbances that disturb the Jewish nation from keeping the Torah and doing the mitzvahs. In contrast, this supernatural events are prophesied in the Torah and fruits that are non-bearing trees not bearing fruit non-fruit bearing trees growing fruit this will happen in a later phase not immediately when Mashiach arrives depending on the schus keep me score at home it's a Gemara by the way in Sanhedrin according to the schus of the people how fast all these things will happen in the time of Mashiach but ultimately, we'll have the freedom to devote ourselves to Tera and Mitzvah, the coming of Mashiach will bring. Even the Rambam agrees, this will eventually merit the supernatural brachas as well. Not Tchilasan B'Seifan, B'Seifan B'Tchilasan. The beginning and the end of every anything in Teda has always a connection we will try to find now a connection with the beginning of Chumash Vayikra and the end of Chumash Vayikra as we said before B'chukaysa is Chazak and the beginning of B'chukaysa and the end of B'chukaysa and we'll go a step further
often time Bahar Bukhukhesa together. We'll find even Bahar and the end of Bukhukhesa. The last Pasuk. Eilah Mitzvah, Ashativa Hashem is Mesha, the Bnei Yisrael Bahar Sinai. One of the reasons Chumash Vayikra starts off with the word Vayikra it's written with a small aleph. For those of us that remember from the first year of Vayikra it's written with a small aleph. Why? Because Hashem when Hashem spoke His prophecy to Bilam HaRasha who was a non-Jewish prophet he referred to him, he called him Vayikor. That's how he called to him, and he only called him at night, of course, also. Without an implying a, a chance encounter. It just happened to happen. It didn't have an Aleph at the end. Vayikor means it happened to be that HaKadosh Baruch spoke to Bilam. He didn't do so. Akash Baruch didn't speak to him lovingly. There was a purpose for every conversation with Bilam, and mainly, of course, for the Jewish nation's benefit. Although he thought different. In Moshe's profound humility, Moshe wanted this as well to be described by himself. He didn't want to show that he has Vayikra with an Aleph at the end, he too wanted Vayikar. But Hashem insisted that he puts that Aleph at the end as an expression of affection. Moshe could not say no to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That was not even an option to say no. So he did so by putting a small Aleph. Noticeable, but not. person can wonder, how did Moshe reach such great humility? The Rebbe explains, and we're making a reference now to Pirkei Aves, although the first Pirkei and Pirkei Aves, Moshe Kibel Teira Mi Sinai, it says. First Mishnah in Pirkei says Meisha received the Torah from Sinai. He got the Torah on Sinai, not from Sinai. Throw my mother down the steps, a towel. And seriously? I don't need background music. What's from Sinai? He went from there and he went to there. And seriously, he got the Torah on Mount Sinai. All Sinai, I should say. But rather, every word in Torah is a hero, is a lesson in our life, teaching and guiding. The Mishnah is conveying a message that Mesha received the Tera. Tera being a guiding lesson. Misinai from Sinai. The humility of Sinai taught Mesha how to be humble. And therefore the Tera, the concept of Tera, which is the main lesson, mainstay lesson, how he should behave in life, he got Misinai. He received this lesson from Sinai the mountain that was so humble and as you know if you have a kid still in Gan the songs that they teach the children or the Medrashim they teach the children how all the mountains were vying that the Torah should be given on them what bigger honor would the Torah have 
How much greater can the Torah be if it's given on me? Little Harsinai didn't even approach. Didn't approach the bench, as we say. Little Harsinai said, Me? Little me? This is where Kaddish Baruch Hu wanted the Torah given. This humility should be a lesson to people. This is a prerequisite of how to exist. As we find also in Saita, if you keep in score at home, Hayam and Aleph. So consequently, because of Bahar Sinai, the giving of the Torah on Sinai, from Sinai, Moshe surmised that in the beginning of Ayikra, he had to write a small Aleph. Because his humility needed to shine. Keep his score at home, the Yamara Megillah, Bezim Abez. Takes the words, Eilah Mitzvois, these are the commandments. And he says, these and no others. These are the mitzvahs, and there are no other mitzvahs. No prophet can ever add any more mitzvahs than there are. Seven mitzvahs of the Rabbanan, that's not a matter of adding to the Teda itself, it's not subtracting, it's mentioned, it's hinted, and therefore those seven mitzvahs of the also fit into the 613, which ultimately is 620. Isodiumara asks, mm-hmm. what right did the Chacham have to add the letters mm-hmm. of Manspach? Oh, it woke him up. Manspach woke him up. The Vaidas Vidanya. The shooting? No, it was a shooting of Oh. Manspach. <laughs> What's Manspach? There are letters in our alphabets, in our alphabets. Mem has a Schloss Mem. Nun has a Lange Nun. Sadik has a Lange Sadik. Pei has a Lange Pei. And Chof has a Lange Chof. Or as we know them as the final. Mem Sofit, Nun Sofit, Sadik Sofit. The Gemara answers, it's not something new, they're reinstating something that was forgotten. Why they find it necessary to reinstate these five letters? According to the Yalkut Shemaini, there are five letters which are used twice in a phrase or word to indicate Geula, redemption. First letter is Chof. It says Hashem reveal, redeems Avram from Urkazdim. Lech lecho me'artzecha. The Chof is repeated. Go for your land. Go for yourself. By Yitzchak we find a double mem. Lech me'imonu. Go away from us. Mem ayin mem nunvav. By Yaakov we find the Nun. Hatsileini no. The Nun is repeated. And the Yidin were redeemed from Mitzrayim with double pay. Pokoit Pekadati. And ultimately the time Mashiach Ine is Tzemach Shmei Umitachtov Yitzmach. Behold a man whose name is Tzemach and flourish in his place. Again, the tzaddik used twice. So after many years of exile, oppression, by all the nations of the world, the Jewish people started 
unfortunately, to forget about Mashiach. Started to think that we're destined to remain in those Golas forever, Rahman al-Islam. So to awaken the Yidin, wake up Yidin from your dream of Golas, as it says, to make them aware that Geula is coming, they were brought about with these five letters again. Miknaf Ha'oretz The part of the earth they heard songs and Tzidkus and, and Shavach Tzadikim Shavach Tzadik The word Miknaf has all the five letters of Mansbach except for Tzadik because the four redemptions are alluded to by the letters Mem, Chof, Nun, Fei. The world already experienced. We hear songs that will also be Tzvi, Glory, Latzadik, to the redemption alluded in the letter Tzadik, which is coming of Mashiach speedily in our time. Again, the Gemara Megillah tells us from the words Eila Mitzvahs. Again, as we said before, they brought about the letters of Mansbach. Mansbach is not in order. Mem Nun Tzadik Pei Chof doesn't make sense. It should be Chof Mem Nun Pei Tzadik. So, why is it Mansbach in that order? A Novi is referred to as a Tzveach, a Tzveach, a watchman. It was the Neviim who reinstated these letters in the Olive Bays, and they're listed in this way because the word Tzveach is the last three letters: Tzadik Fei Chof. Now, if you're doing math a little bit, if you're still awake with me, follow my math. Manspach, Memnun is 90. Tzadik is 90. Pei and Chof, Pei is 80 and Chof is 20, is 100. Hashem Melech, Melech is 90. Hashem Moloch, Moloch is 90. Hashem Yimloch Leilam Vaid, Yimloch is a hundred. So there's ninety, ninety, and a hundred. Hey, I told you to keep the math going. It's from the Shalom Kodesh. And I wanted to say that word now because the Shalom Kodesh is tied, affiliated with Erev Rishchedish Sivan. <coughs> Erev Rishchedish Sivan is the special Tfilis HaShalom which is said, which is recited. For nachas of our children, it's not a problem. Today, Rabbi Google has it for you. You just have to Google the prayer of the Shalom, and it will come up. I'm sure, it's a prayer that is said, recited erev shchedish sivan, and therefore we see how the Shalom is so connected with Mashiach especially with this time of the year, so I figured that we said proper to say it. Tzadik stands for Tzemach. Tzemach is Mashiach. Going back to the Gemara and Sanhedrin, Tzadik Chesam at Beis, it says, Tzemach Menachem Shmei. Menachem is the same Gematri as Tzemach. Which will ultimately be the name of Mashiach. And the most venerable sit, the holiest ones sit in the middle. And therefore the Mem and Nun on one side, the Pei and Chof on the other side, and the Tzadik, the Tzadik representing Mashiach in the middle. Let's leave this a little bit now.
we're discussing humility. Oh, I take a little turn over here by the end of Bukhakaisai. I wanted to also discuss, if I get back to it, the Tmura and the Kedish. We were discussing humility. Those of us that are following along, if Daf is not enough for you and everything else, we have all the Shirim, Chitas and Rambam is not enough for you. We learn Saita a blot a day. Um, Gimara, Adaf Memo Aleph, sorry, is discussing the brachis of the Kahanim, how the Kahanim blessed the Jews. Towards the middle of the Omer, it says, Omer of Chiyabaraba. It's, there was discussion in the Gemara if it said the blessings to the Jews, if it said Birch Kahanim with Hashem's name pronounced or not. So we had a conclusion that it said in, it's in the Besamikdash with and outside without. And then Amar Rukhiyah Barabba said no, anyone who says along with the Kehanim, outside of Eretz Yisrael, Ein Elatoya is just simply making a mistake. you should know. The Migdash In the Migdash they didn't either have to say it. Klum Yesh Lecho Eved There's no such thing as a servant, Shemavarchanay say, Veinamazen, that he blessed him and he's not listening. So how could you have the audacity to talk while you're being blessed? Teda, you should know. The Even in Gvulun, you have to also say it outside of Beis Hamikdash, because Klum Yesh Eved is no such thing as a servant. Shemavarchin, I say that you bless him very masbir upon him, and he doesn't demonstrate appreciation. So we're discussing Rebavo and back and forth about Rebavo and Rebchanina. Now comes the Gemara and says, Amr Abba Meresh Hav At first I used to say it. Came in the Chazina, the Rav Abba, the Min Ako. I saw once by Rav Abba from Ako, the Le Amr didn't say it. I stopped saying it. The Amr Rav Abba, Rav Abba said another thing. Meresh Hav In the Hana. In the, once upon a time, I thought I was a humble person. Came in the Chazina later of Abba Dimin Ako. Once I met the Abba from Ako, the Omar who said Iu Chad Taima. He used to say Ashir to his speaker, to the person that had a louder voice. And his one that repeated for him said something totally different. The late copied. The Abba did not say a word. He did not get angry, upset. Amin love in the son of Anna. This standard, such a level, I am not even. I'm not even considered humble. This is called pure humility. The translator, the person that was just supposed to repeat his words, repeated something different entirely, and he did not correct him, he did not want to embarrass him, he accepted it, that he himself was not going to say it the way he said. What is Rebavo's humility that he thought, till now he thought he was an Anav? The Devei said It was Rebavo's speaker's wife once told the wife of Rebavo, Hadidon leitzarach leitzidoch. My husband is so smart. He's a speaker. He's only rep- he does the repetition 
But he's so smart, he doesn't even need the rabbi. He's smarter than him. And the fact that he bends down and straightens himself up for your husband, to hear the whispered discourse that he says, and gives it over to the audience, it's just showing him a little bit of respect. He doesn't need him, he knows better than him. No. She went home. And she told this to Rebbe Omar lo. What did Rebbe tell her? I'm going to fire him tomorrow? No. What difference does it make to you? Through me, through him, let HaKadosh Baruch Hu be praised. It doesn't matter to me. Make does not make me greater, does not make me smaller. That's not my idea. The idea is let the word of God, let the praise of Hashem come about come about. And therefore he saw he saw even Ravos saw what humility was. But when he saw of Abba from Akko, he said, I am not anything near humble as he is. Mishnah Bikiyavis Pedikei Asaradeides me other madneach to attend generations from other teneach kaladeides hayim achis nevoyin every generation made Hakadosh Baruch Hu angry. Saradeides meneach at Avram and there were ten generations from neach to Avram. Shkaladeides hayim achis nevoyin. Ad shebe Avram avino vekibos harkulam. Until our father Abraham came along and he received the reward for everybody. Mm-hmm. No, honestly speaking, you're telling me you're telling me that this generation is angered at Kaddish Baruch Hu. Ten generations, the next ten generations, everybody angered at Kaddish Baruch Hu. What? What scar did Avram Vinu get? What kind of reward was there that he picked up on? Secondly, excuse me, why did Avram only receive the reward from the ten generations that preceded him and Nayak didn't get from the ten generations that preceded him? Dera Mabel, generation of the Delug, Dera Flogger, it's called the generation of, I guess, dispersion. They built a tower against the Baruch Hu. They both sinned in anger at Kaddish Baruch Hu. But nevertheless, the punishments were different. different. Dera Mabel, the world was destroyed, and Dera Flogger, they were spread all over the world. Another thing, Generation Teraflogger, according to all opinions, if you keep in score at home, you modern Sanhedrin, Kuvzayin Amadez, and the Yamada says, they don't even have a Chedekelem Haba. They have no world, in the world to come, there's no place for them. But the Dera Mabu, and according to the opinion in the Zayar, they do have a world, share in the world to come. What's the difference? Hashem's punishment commensurates the crime. When it came to Deiraf Lager, the Torah says the whole world had one language, one common purpose. So into human relationships, their behavior was exemplary. Their sin was they wanted to go fight God. On the other hand, the people of Deiraf Lager, they were not interested in revolutions. They were corrupt, they were robbing, they were killing, they were, they were decadent, they were doing everything wrong. Destruction was decreed. Because there was no inter, 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 interhuman relationship. 
from living in harmony, dealing uprightly with their neighbors, the people of the generation of Afloga were needed to get reward. But because of the wickedness, they went to fight against Akadosh Baruch Hu. This was a tremendous klipa. When Avram comes along, and he looked, he sought for mercy for the wicked. He davened for the wicked to be saved from Sadaim. He elevated all the previous generations also. And therefore received all their reward. Their Amabal, on the other hand, they didn't do any good for which reward was due to them. And even if they did, Neach didn't pray on their behalf or make any way to try to elevate them. So even if they would do any reward, Neach wasn't going to get it. But again, let us say, Chazak, Chazak, Menis Chazek, Shkedesh Sivan is upon us. We prepare for Matan Teda. Next week we'll talk about Shavuos and the halachas involved, Shabbos, Shavuos. There will be no Erev Tavshilin. <laughs> May we find ourselves this Shabbos, as we say, Chazak, Chazak, Menis Chazek, Yerushalayim, Irak, Shabbat, Shalom to all.